stop right there. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah. I, I need friends. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and small screen, so we want to make sure that we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. So Tim, how's your week been going? Oh, not too bad. You know, I made a quick run over into Boston, but I unfortunately did not have a chance to have a beer with Beer with Geeks. (laughs) You failed, sir. You failed. I I did fail. Well, it was a one-day trip. Ended up being a 21-hour day. So it was like basically fly out of O'Hare, get in there, go meet with the person I was supposed to meet with and then basically fly back. So (laughs) there was really no time in my schedule to do it. But I I am going to have beer with those guys one of these days. We're talking about Frank and Tim. Frank and Tim, right? Yeah, right. And I kind of was curious whether we should start asking our listeners. We've been kind of bad around the idea of doing another crossover with those guys Mm -hmm. and we need ideas. So if anyone has a suggestion of what would make a good two part crossover, just let us know and we'll we'll throw it at them. You know, their last episode, they took a listener suggestion. So I'm like, it made me think, hey, why not us? Yeah, so we're going to do what we're calling our second annual crossover with Beer with Geeks. So they're all game for it, but we just have to find, you know, the right show. And as soon as we figure that out, we'll we'll go ahead and arrange something with those guys and have another fun crossover, which was just a ton of fun last time. Oh my God, it was so great. Well, my road to rebirth continues, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Wednesday night, I finished off Robin, Son of Batman. And then today I marathoned Martian Manhunter, Green Arrow, and caught up to the next to last most recent issue of Justice League of America by Brian Hitch. Nice. So I'm I'm pretty much getting to the point now that it's like I just need to read Black Canary, Batgirl, Aquaman, and Batman Beyond. And then what I think I'm going to start doing is I'll start reading Rebirth and then just mixing in those remaining New 52 titles because I think the rest of the titles don't really mean make a hill of beans for Rebirth. Mm-hmm. So that way I can get on Rebirth, but then I can still catch up on New 52 at the same time. So I think that's my strategy at this point. Awesome. Very good. Well, that's that's pretty cool. And then, you know, that'll be just in time for you to start listening to the DC Comics podcast. I know. And I saw Chris Rimmer talking about how, like, they have they they were prepping for their first show or have they recorded the first show? Yeah, we had one minor setback. So we're actually recording tomorrow. That I wasn't on the show? That was the minor <laughs> setback, right? Uh, that actually was not the setback. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, so we're, we're actually going to record a few episodes before we drop one. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, let's get on with this news. Now, what's been making the news this past week? Uh, apparently us for some reason that was a little a little meta to be honest with you I, d- I didn't know how to deal with this and I was wondering if we were even going to address it on this week's episode but I guess we kind of have to yeah I guess why not you know we we dug into the raw audio from the Jeff Bukas communicopia conference that they had in New York and we actually found a little tidbit that wasn't any of the stories that were out there breaking it down and, and it was the story involving Jeff Bukas that said that he thought the Batman solo movie was 18 months away and so we put that out there and then as soon as we published our episode we had lots of people saying, hey, where did you get this from? Is this real? <laughs> At that point, I went and actually extracted the raw audio and actually published it so people could actually listen to it for themselves. And anyway, so it started getting picked up by some of the comic book sites. And in this past week, we've actually seen it in several different places, which was like, I agree with you. It was kind of weird actually hearing our podcast called out on some of these shows. Oh, yeah. For me, it was 
like just clicking the link just because I wanted to see our name like in print. <laughs> I have to admit that I'm a real nerd about that. It's like, ooh, there's our name. Ooh, there's our name. Ooh, there's our name. <laughs> I did like the IGN one. It was actually a... The YouTube, yes. Yeah, you know, they actually called us out. So that was pretty cool. I really appreciated the news sites. Kind of started with, I think Batman News was on top of it. Chris Begley over there, he gave his credit. Yeah, that was Sunday night, I think, was the, the first time. That that was my first time going, what? We, we just, the audio's out there. It wasn't like we <laughs> recorded it or anything. Yeah. And I think you had a good point about, you know, we don't really want to take credit for this because it's, we, quote, broke the story, but it was always out there. So we really didn't know what to make heads or tails out of all this hubbub we were getting. Yeah, it was out there, but it was out there only from the, the conference, and it never really broke beyond that. And so, so I guess, you know, we actually did, I guess, break the story. So, you know, but it's kind of cool, you know, kind of like thinking about it here, you know, I, I spent a lot of time this past week really thinking, is it is it really going to be a year and a half out? Because, I mean, quite honestly, you know, going back from that audio, it could mean that production starts in a year and a half. That's how a lot of people were kind of taking it to, to start off with. And uh, I've kind of thought a lot about it. And I don't think that's the case, Scott. I, I think we are talking about 18 months out. Wow. Um, I'd be more than happy if that was the case. Yeah. I mean, the way we're going to talk about this story, because Ben's out there promoting The Accountant, which mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons is also in, and I definitely want to go see. But, you know, wheels are turning for that film. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more that we're going to be discussing later tonight that I think that maybe even suggests that 18 months out might actually be a release date instead. So, well, let's just get on to the real news and not us talking about us being news because that's just (laughs) that's weird. Uh, Box office update for Suicide Squad. Kind of cool. On September 28th, Suicide Squad uh, joined the top 50 all time domestic blockbusters, bumping off Iron Man 1 in the process because as of September 28th, it had reached $318.6 million and counting. Pretty amazing. I actually went in and pulled off some numbers today. And uh, so day 57 was actually Friday and we're recording on a Saturday night here. So at that point in time, Suicide Squad domestically had racked up just over $319 million. On day 57, Batman v Superman had racked up about $329 million. So we're only about 9 or $10 million short of where BVS was at this exact same point domestically. Domestically, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy at this point on day 57 was at $316 million. So it's it's edging that out right now. And then, wow, you know, like I said, we're, you know, I was just shocked that we were that close to Batman v Superman domestically. <laughs> it's just, it still boggles my mind. Just last week, we were talking about how we were 18 million away. Yeah. And was it 18 domestic or was it 18? It was just domestic. Uh, domestic. Okay. Uh, it's, it's the Guardians number that shocks me. It's yeah. like, because Guardians had legs and yet we've so far outpacing Guardians. And that's kind of like, cool. I mean, yeah. it's weird. Well, I think Guardians is, you know, I, I don't think they're going to fully catch up to eventually where Guardians lands, probably within the next week or two, I think that pace will be overtaken by Guardians. But it's just still amazing, you know, for a film that was so widely accepted and and liked and praised and, and did such huge box office that, you know, Suicide Squad is actually right there with it. Oh, wow, man. Then uh, apparently for this, now, week eight, is that like this past week or is this this upcoming week? That's this past the, week, yeah. The past week, okay. So Suicide Squad made $3.92 million in its eighth week compared to Batman v Superman making $0.74 million, Civil War making $2.16 million, and then the the, the black sheep, uh, Deadpool, pulling in $4.72 million in yeah. its eighth week. So, wow. out outdo, Outstripping BVS and Civil War in an equivalent week. Yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, though, I mean, Civil War did tremendously well domestically. Oh, but incredibly it just, well, yes. You know, it's just showing that in week eight, you know, it was more front-loaded with people than I think Suicide Squad was. I think Suicide Squad is continuing to stay strong just because it's it's got really good word of mouth yeah. on this film. And the 
thing that also kind of found interesting, you know, we had been talked about day 57. Uh, I went back and looked at day 57 for Suicide Squad. That was on Friday. It was estimated to make almost half a million dollars on Friday. And so I think the actual estimate number was 485,000. Now, Batman v Superman on day 57 made 83,000 and it was a Friday as well. <laughs> wow. So it's just amazing that, you know, it's still pulling in money. I mean, it's probably going to pull in another million dollars or so this weekend, I'd imagine. Maybe more. Yeah. A couple million. Because, uh, I mean, its biggest competition this weekend is, you know, Bridget Jones's baby and Miss Peregrine's School for Peculiar Children. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Very cool. Um, I loved this picture that Zack Snyder tweeted out on Thursday. Yeah. Because, one, it just looks cool because he's wearing Batman's gauntlet as he's drawing storyboards on his, you know, tablet device. Yeah. But then somebody decided to zoom in on what the storyboards actually are talking about. Deathstroke's actually going to be in Justice League. I, I, at least that's how I'm interpreting the storyboard picture. What say you, Tim? So uh, there, let's look at the possibilities here. So it, it's either going to be related to the Justice League film or it's going to be related to the Batman solo film. Zack Snyder is an executive producer on the Batman solo film. So it is very possible that he could be, you know, helping to contribute to that film as well. I think the thing that kind of throws it all out the window is, is he actually hashtagged this photo Justice League. Yes. So that I found pretty interesting there. Now, it clearly does look like somebody with an eye patch. You can actually see the sword off to the back. And I think in one of the images, you actually even see uh, a little bit of like the tassels hanging off. So I think that's more than likely supposed to be Deathstroke. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty safe assumption. Now, there was a lot of talk about who the other person was. And so it looks like the back of someone's head. It kind of looks like a bald head, which to me, you know, when it comes to storyboards, I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, nobody's going to draw all the hair in. So I don't really necessarily link that to being who a lot of people are saying is, is being Lex Luthor. I, I think it could just be a person. Now, my thought on this was when you look at like the third panel in that image, you actually see the front view of that person that people are calling like the bald head person. It actually looks like somebody in a suit, as far as I can tell. And it also almost looks like they're wearing a tie as well. So when I saw that, it kind of made me think that, you know, I, that doesn't really fit the character that they developed with Lex Luthor. See, I don't see a tie um, and I totally wanted to be Lex Luthor. So mm -hmm. I'm going to fanboy it and say, I want I, I wanted to be Lex Luthor who's hiring Deathstroke. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm thinking? Maybe it, this is pure, purely my speculation. I'm wondering if this is like a mid mid credit scene that like ties into Batman the way that the mid credit scene of Suicide Squad tied into Justice League. Right. Like it's Lex hiring Deathstroke and then we'll see it play out in the solo Batman movie. Yeah. That's my fanboy theory. So we'll see if I'm right. But you know, I'm, 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 I'm planting my flag. That's my theory. <laughs> Very good. I, I mean, I'm with you too. I want it to be Lex, but um, you know, I don't know. I'm not convinced it's Lex at this point, but you know, I do want it to be Lex. But yeah, I'm with you. I think this is probably something that they filmed at the very end, you know, to really tie to the next film. Because I, I think that's that's largely what DC seems like they're going to be doing. Yeah, exactly. Now, Superman homepage is reporting that apparently construction activity is occurring around the same farm that's been used as the Kent farm in both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, which makes sense to me. I would expect the Kent farm to appear in yeah. Justice League. Superman does have to come back from the dead and all. So <laughs> I, um, this doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So. Well, I want to find out where the set is where they actually have the gravesite, you know, because we've seen that, a, I think, a couple times. I mean, I think it was the same cemetery from Man of Steel. It's, it's hard to say, though, for sure. But, you know, I guess that's the one I'd be wanting to watch. I'd, I'd want to see where they actually have that set up at. And, and I'm guessing it's probably a made-up cemetery. I don't think they would actually be filming on a real cemetery. No, no, <laughs> I would. that would be just bad taste. Yeah, I mean, unless it was off to the side of a real cemetery. But, you know, you never know. I mean, that's kind of an iconic location at this point for the DC films. And then Amy Adams was talking to DP30 at the Telluride Film Festival, and apparently she was just gushing about, uh, you know, J.K. 
Simmons, <laughs> uh, the workout photos we all saw, yeah, and how it was so different for her being Lois coming back for this third film. Because she talked about how in Man of Steel, the focus was really on Superman and her story with him. And then in Dawn of Justice, it was about introducing Batman and Lois kind of, you know, in separate storylines. So it's she said Justice League was a little bit more of a challenge coming back and it being a team. So I'm wondering if she's talking about, like, I guess Lois maybe gets to interact with every member of the Justice League. Well, when she was talking about the team of people, because I listened to this one closely, she's actually talking about the production people. Oh, the yeah. production people. Okay. Yeah. But then she did kind of add, after she made that statement, she's really talking about how it was really fun to play Lois. So, I mean, the whole point is here, you know, what she was really saying is every time she comes back, she has like kind of a different thread for what Lois is doing in the film, you know, because she is a supporting character. And so like, you know, as you said in Man of Steel, it was really the story about, you know, Lois and Clark. And then, of course, Batman v Superman, it, it was about really bringing Batman into the fold. Right. Even though the Ultimate Edition really gave her so much more to do. Yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then they went on to talk about, is it really difficult to be on a big budget set? Because they were kind of comparing to some of her previous films that she's done and all that. So she said, really, you know, on a, on a big set like that, there's a lot of imagination is required. And, you know, they they really work on it with a lot of green screens and all that. And so anytime you do that kind of a film, you know, I guess you require a lot of imagination. Did you see this Ben Affleck interview with Extra being interviewed by Mario Lopez and he and Bat and Bat <laughs> Ben? They're just one the same to me now. Yeah. Uh, ben was talking about that that technical suit we saw a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yep. Yeah, it was kind of cool because he, he these were exact quotes he said. He said, yeah, there are two suits in Justice League, the one you've seen before and one that he augments due to the nature of the mission. And of course he was like, which I can't tell you about. Right. <laughs> and then uh, he said it was a chance to play with the suit and add elements and kind of tech it out. And he thought that they had done a really good job. So yeah. that was kind of cool. You know, Ben's, like we mentioned earlier, Ben's kind of on press tours promoting the accountant right now. Right. So we're getting some Justice League and some Batman news while we're, you know, getting accountant news because they're all Warner Brothers. So it's yeah. one big happy family. Well, and you know, every single person that's interviewing him about the accountant, I mean, they're going to try to slip in some Batman solo film questions here. So we should be seeing a lot more information along the lines here. He did kind of reveal one little thing, though. He did say that J.K. Simmons is going to be in the film, which I, I may mean, I think we all assume that anyway. <laughs> Come on, Commissioner <laughs> Gordon, of course, he's going to be in a Batman movie. But he's still being very tight lipped about the film. I mean, he's being a good EP and director. You know, he's just, he's trying to control the amount of information it gets out. So he's being very coy about everything. Oh, yeah. Even Mario was like, so I heard you're, you're directing the next Batman movie. And his response was, that's right. Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, okay, Ben, yeah. well played. Well yep. played. So Justice League tonight, Scott, is actually having a rap party at the Leavesden Studios over in London. I cannot believe that. Yeah. I, wow. Now, for this, was your interpretation that they're just rapping in London or that like principal photography has rapped? Oh, no. This is just the location in London. You know, they've been at these studios since April, early April, really. And so this is just that part of it. I thought so. Because they still have to go up to like Iceland, don't they? Right. They do have to go to Iceland. And that's where Jason Momoa, who actually kind of announced this, he he sent out a picture of him working out who's just extremely buff. <laughs> God, he has abs upon abs. His abs have abs. They, they they do. Abs upon abs. But uh, he said that, you know, tonight was a rap party and he sent out thanks to the cast and crew and all that. He said he's never missed a rap party, but he has to move, unfortunately, to the north which I think he's referring to Iceland here. So it sounds like they're not even messing around. They're not even wasting a night. They're basically moving over to the location right now. So Well, and we had, and when we talked about that Iceland shoot, we we speculated it had something to do with Aquaman's story. Right. So, I would not be surprised because if he's the one missing it, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a that that's a very Aquaman specific location. Yeah, I kind of wonder if that's not the village that we saw a little glimpse of probably done on a set from the trailer. And so they now they're just doing location. Now they're just doing location shots. And, okay. Know. But I mean, it seems like they would have, I mean, it seems like some of those were outdoor locations from that trailer. So 
I don't know who's who's to say, you know, nobody really knows at this point, but clearly he's going to be involved in it. So I saw this tweet from Rick Famuia. I actually got like the the uh, the alert on my phone because he's one of my alert yeah. me when he tweets something. Mm-hmm. And I'm ashamed to admit, I I, I saw the obvious feat, right. and I saw the cool, uh, you know, current revisions by Rick Famuia on the script. I was so jazzed about that part. I missed the silver feat. Oh. I, I, I'm I'm so ashamed of myself. I saw it immediately, and I, was, I immediately thought of a cyborg. And luckily, you know, some great sleuth on the internet. They actually found some images of that that Funko Pop. Yeah, it's that Pop vinyl figure, and they actually showed that it, it is in fact the boots from that figure. So great oh. tease by Rick. I mean, I love this. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, he's. I mean. I, I think it's pretty clear. It's been talked about for quite a while that Cyborg was going to be in this film, and and he he's never really denied it. You know, I mean, he had that one little sarcastic comment, yeah, sarcastic comment, which some people took as literal, but the says who <laughs> I think he pretty much confirmed it here at this point. I'm also excited to see that he is actively doing his own uh, passes on the script. Yeah, right. I, I don't know if it's going to be enough that he gets any kind of screenwriter credit for it, mm-hmm. but it's still cool to know that he is going in and adding his own flavor. I think yeah. that's important for the director. Yeah, definitely. And he's got such, he's got so many things to say. He's got a lot of social commentary. He's got a lot of things that, you know, he said in his past movies and all that. And so I'm, I'm really looking to see how he kind of spins some of that into this film. Because this is going to be two young guys. I mean, you have Flash and then Cyborg, who is likely to be in this. And you know there's going to be something that he's going to say. There's going to be some kind of theme to this film. And I really can't wait to see what angle he takes. Okay, so I am so flippin' jealous of how anyone who works on a DCEU film mm-hmm. gets like the greatest goodie bag ever yeah. from DC Entertainment. It's not fair. You can go buy your own stuff. I yes. mean, really. <laughs> yeah, Joe Manganiello tweeted out on Tuesday that uh, he, uh, basically a care package that he must have gotten from DC Entertainment. This is this is very similar to the ones that we've seen in the past. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa got one. Uh, who else? I mean, there was... That was the main one. That was the one where like, he got like two of them. And right. I was just like, girl. Yeah, we know Margot Robbie got one. So in this image, you see some Funko Pops of Deathstroke. You see Arkham Origins, uh, like a, like a three-figure set. Yep. There's a bust. Looks like a Deathstroke calendar or something. I'm not even no, sure. No, 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 no. There's a there's a Deathstroke bust. There's a Lego minifig of Deathstroke. And then there's a copy of Jeff John's Batman Earth 1 Volume yeah, 1. Yeah, okay. I see that one. So, uh, okay. So we had kind of alluded to this earlier. Now, in Manganello's tweet, he just put hashtag research. Now, if this were a year and a half out to begin production, would he be researching this early? No, he would not be. I don't That's, think so either. That's the thing with Justice League wrapping in London and him already getting the care package. The wheels are already in motion. Yeah. You know, and I am, however, surprised that this is a lot of like toy stuff. And mm-hmm. the only book he has is Earth One, which Deathstroke's not even in. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing that makes me go, hmm. But because I'd be really interested to, to see pictures later, like when he got like real books yeah. that he had to read, like what Rick got. But well, remember, Rick got two packages, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. You were right. So, so yeah, I think the next one's probably coming. Or maybe maybe he's just kind of showing this off first, and he's got a big pile of books that he hasn't shown us yet. But this is a sign that things are definitely moving pretty quickly here. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Which probably means that Ben and Jeff are close to a a, a draft of a script that Ben's going to be happy with. Because that because Ben's always said that was the hang-up, was he wanted the script to be just right. Right. Now, here's the other thing, too. Now, some people were saying, you know, maybe this just has everything to do with Justice League. Well, I mean, you wouldn't be researching at this point. If he had any kind of 
a significant role in Justice League. You know, it seems like that would be either be done, filmed by now, or it would be, you know, it would just be too late to begin the research. Now, that little test footage that we saw, we're not exactly sure what it was. I think that legitimately was something that was being filmed for Justice League, the more I look at it. Yeah, well, I, I have to agree with you on that. Plus, I mean, the set looked all decked out. They had the green screen, the costume look mm-hmm. finished. Well, it was the same set as that Tactical Batman set. Right, which we assume is the Flying Fox. Right. Well, I just, yes. Which, I'm, actually, by the way, I, I need to say, you assume it's a Flying Fox. I think it could be the Flying Fox, but I'm not making that assumption. I still think it might be an underground tunnel leading to the Batcave. Okay. We'll, well see if I'm right. We'll see, and we'll see if I'm right. Yep, we'll see, we'll see. Hey, this this time, I am ready with my theories. I, I am, I, I was very theoryless leading up to Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. That is over with. I, uh, I'm letting the theories fly. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will mark these down, or at least our listeners will remind us of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> we'll forget we'll long forget, yeah. before next we'll, November. <laughs> and if we're wrong, we'll pretend they never existed. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Ben Affleck and J.K. Simmons got on to talk a little bit about the solo film. And this was actually captured by Silas Lesnick. It was on some kind of press tour, I think, with The Accountant. Yes. So it was published in ComingSoon.net. So, Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about this one? Okay. So, J.K. and Ben were talking about the getting ready to shoot the solo film. And J.K. was talking about how he's really looking forward to the solo film because he's going to be able to be a supporting character again in the solo film, that he'll get to work with Ben Affleck again, and that he's trying to you know wrap his mind around the whole God is, you know, director is God thing, because he's not really sure how that's going to work for him in the future, you know, because mm-hmm. he's worked with Ben, like, just as an actor before. Right. So now <laughs> Ben being kind of in charge directing the film, they were kind of like, they were kind of some friendly banter. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the funny thing was the reporter asked him at the end whether uh, Ben's Batman could beat Ben's accountant. And Ben's comment was, I've only thought about him being Jason Bourne. And, <laughs> and JK's response was, oh, yeah, you'll kick his ass for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, Knowing, of course, uh, you know, the little Ben Affleck, Matt Damon fun there. Yeah, for sure. You think he's going to somehow pull Matt into this film? I hope so. I really do. Yeah. I'd like to see it too, but I, I kind of feel like it might be a partial distraction. But Yeah, yeah, but wouldn't it be fun though? Oh yeah, definitely be fun. Especially if it's a surprise role like what he did in Interstellar. Oh yeah. I'm sorry if you have not seen Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> I think after two years, we're allowed to spoil, you know, he was in that movie. So Scott, we need to move on to this story. I did find another thing here that is actually going to make you a little bit poorer. And let's talk a little bit about it. So Amazon.com has a two-movie limited edition gift set, which includes Man of Steel and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. And in this set, you'll have the Blu-rays of each of those two films. You'll have the ultimate edition of Dawn of Justice. You'll have the Blu-ray for Man of Steel. You'll get digital versions of both films. There's actually going to be Batman and Superman comics as well included. And then uh, Batman and Superman figures from DC Collectibles. And then the last thing here is you're going to have Batman v Superman character trading cards in this box set. So, Scott, how much poorer are you going to be? I am not going to be buying this. You are so wrong. <laughs> I am not. No, no, not going to buy this because I already own both movies on Blu-ray. I like the retailer exclusives that I have of both films. I already have digital copies of both films. I already own both figures that were going to come with the box set. So I have no need to buy this. But you do not have the trading cards. Uh, whatever. I'm not a trading card kind of guy. <laughs> so ha ha ha. You're wrong, sir. So yep. poo on you. Mm-hmm. So anyway, 
on this. I was kind of like hesitant to even mention this because I feel like most of our listeners probably own this anyway, you know, most everything here. So, but anyway, just kind of worth mentioning. I, I did find it interesting that they decided so long to come out with this. Yeah, but I think it's holiday. I think it's, Amaz- it's Amazon setting it up for, you know, a holiday purchase to give to somebody. This is a gift giving kind of idea. True. Okay, very good. A little bit more news about Batman v Superman on the Blu-ray side here. Now, we just finally got our numbers and this comes from the website, The Numbers. And these are the numbers for Blu-ray sales for Batman v Superman. Now, usually these things take about a, a month before they come out and report the numbers here. I, I, I don't know the exact reason for that. I, I assume it probably has uh, to do with uh, accumulating all the information from the retailers and all that. But so what they've reported is that Batman v Superman in its first week of Blu-ray sales sold over 1,246,000 copies. Wow. Well, that gave it a sales amount of over $31 million in sales. Jeez. So that's the first week. Now, granted, I was about three of those copies, <laughs> to be honest with you, because I did buy two copies at Best Buy and one copy at Target. So being honest here, <laughs> yep. well, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. For a film that got as critically trashed as it did, mm-hmm. people wanted to own it yeah. physically, not just digitally, but physically. So I'm I'm very happy with that. In one week. In one week, yeah. That's pretty good. So we'll have to revisit this a month out from now and kind of see what that first month ended up being. Okay, so we're going to start talking about some DCTV. Apologies to Brent and Ray, but, you know, we do get to get some news before you guys do every once in a while. Right. <laughs> um, so, Tim, have you watched Superhero Fight Club 2.0? I have I have watched it. It was pretty awesome, too. I was kind of cute. And I'm sorry, Melissa Benoist is just adorable. And I mean that as respectfully as possible. She's just so cute. Yeah. And watching her, like, get all giddy and excited about it was just fun. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they included Cisco and Felicity in this time doing sort of like the tech stuff. Mm-hmm. That was very enjoyable. Yeah. Now, I, you had made this comment about Diggle's reaction to Martian Manhunter. Yes. Being priceless. How did I, I've watched it twice. I did not see it. Where did you watch it? Internet? I did? Yes, that's not the full version. You have not seen the full uncut version. Okay. The full uncut version is only available through the CW app, ah. which as of Thursday, the update went through where now it is Chromecast and AirPlay compatible. So all the updates and now like if you have the Fire TV or the Roku or the Apple TV, the app has been pushed out as of Thursday. Okay. And the special is you get the uncut Fight Club 2.0 and there is the most incredible reaction of Diggle watching Jean morph into Martian Manhunter. Oh my god, it's so great. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you explained that to me because when I saw you type that in the notes, I was like, it's not in there, Scott. I don't know what video you're watching, but apparently you were watching the full version, which I was not. So that's good yes, to know. my reaction to the notes was the video, duh. <laughs> okay, well that explains it. I didn't know there was an extended cut. Oh yeah. So here's another one now. We got a little information on the four-way crossover and who the antagonist is going to be. And apparently it's going to be the Dominators. So Dominators actually are an alien race that actually goes way back to the Legion of Superheroes. And and like when way back, like I was kind of curious because I only know the Dominators from the mid-80s crossover invasion. Invasion, right. When did they go, when did they first appear in Legion? Uh, It was like late 50s, I think. Really? Yeah, it goes pretty far back. So that's a good question. I don't know, but I mean, they were a Legion alien race and that's the only place they'd ever appeared, I think, until Invasion. Wow. Well, Mark Guggenheim was the one who kind of uh, dropped the news about that, mentioning 
mentioning that the Dominators were going to be antagonists. And he, he also said that they're using cutting-edge prosthetics and computer effects to achieve what he called a feature film quality look to be faithful to Todd McFarlane's interpretation of the Dominators that appeared in Invasion. Because Todd McFarlane drew the three-issue Invasion miniseries. Right. And those are some creepy-looking aliens, the way Todd McFarlane drew them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so if, you, if you've never seen the Dominators, they're kind of like tall, narrow face. They got a big red dot on their head. Big O teeth. The most striking feature of these just razor sharp teeth that just basically interlock with each other. And oh, uh, so I, I cannot wait to see this. This is just like, this is like to me, comic book heaven <laughs> to see this kind of stuff actually being brought to the small screen here. I mean, this is never ever would have thought I would have seen something like this because I wouldn't have thought it was even possible. Well, this is even kind of a like, um, like DC fanboys know about this, about this story, but you know, the general audience is not very familiar with the invasion storyline. It had some ramifications, you know, Snapper Carr and Maxwell Lord got meta abilities out of this storyline, right. but it's just, it, this is a pull. This is a deep pull, but interesting enough, like two months ago, they reissued a new edition of the Invasion trade paperback. Okay. Like it had gone out of print and they just republished it. I wonder if this is the reason why. Well, of course. I mean, they're a well-oiled machine now on uh, the DC Entertainment side. I mean, they, <laughs> they're setting things up for stuff that they know is coming. So that's, you know, that's the kind of thing we got to pay better attention to what the DC Comics site is doing in terms of what they're bringing up and bringing back. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, season three Flash trailer. Mm-hmm. Kind of fun. Yeah. I loved seeing some Wally Kid Flash. Yeah. I really did. Yeah, don't call him Kid Flash, though. He doesn't like that. <laughs> I don't care what he likes. Yeah. I love that Barry calls him that. That is fantastic. Yeah, so it's pretty clear from this trailer. I mean, the impacts from the time-altering events, Flashpoint, are pretty well established here. You, you have Barry, who is trying to reestablish and reassemble the team that he had who don't know each other. So he's getting Iris, he's getting Caitlin, he's getting all the other people together. <laughs> I love the fact that he kidnaps Caitlin. He's it, like, it he does, just yeah. kidnapped her. <laughs> anyway, so it looks like it's going to be pretty fun. I just cannot wait for this series. I have to tell you, though, I was more jazzed about the Arrow Season 5 trailer. Me too, me too. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was really pumped for that one. I, I, you know, I've heard other people on the internet, you know, people less optimistic than we are going, oh, I'm. it looks good, but I've been burned by this series mm-hmm. too many times. Fair enough. But, I, you know, fair enough. I'm, I'm there with you. But you know the thing that got me about the trailer was the fight choreography. Yes. It looked like they're going back to like that rawness of season one and season yeah. two, which it, it seriously lost in season three and season four. Yes. Like it, what, the fight, the fighting wasn't as vicious as it was in the first couple of seasons. And it looks vicious in this trailer. And, you know, it looked like the story is pretty dark as well. I mean, there's some kind of bad stuff going on. I mean, it, it's intimated that Oliver is kind of going back to his killing ways again, like from the first season. Yeah. And, and Thea and Thea ain't down with that. No. You know, that she, no. Was, she did a great job. I mean, you see this one little line where she says, just kind of gets in Oliver's face and says, putting killing back on the table is a huge step backwards. And she she really rattled off that line great. I, I was just really impressed with how good the, um, the drama was in this little bit that we saw. And I really enjoyed seeing Wild Dog and Curtis and Evelyn Sharp because yeah. he talks about how he needs to get a, a new team and even the trailer calls it team 2.0 so yeah. I'm I am cautiously optimistic for season 5 I am too and I gotta tell you now we had talked about this before actually you guys first talked about it when uh, when I was out in business uh, but Wild Dog I can't even tell you how giddy I get about seeing Wild Dog actually appear in the show Wild Dog is not like an important character by any means at a DC universe but the fact is you know when I was a kid they had that four issue miniseries by Max Collins and it was just a character and it was an in the era where you weren't getting too, you weren't getting many brand new characters ever created. Two that I can think of is you had Wild Dog and you had Booster Gold.
Gold of that era that were created. And uh, of course, you know, Booster Gold went on to live a long, you know, successful career, you know, as a character in DC. Wild Dog did not, but it was one of those things. It was a four issue miniseries and it always stuck with me because he just had this very like realistic style of garb that was just thrown together. It was like, it was like what anyone could do today, just throw together an outfit and become a vigilante. And to actually see that in color and live action in a, in, in a trailer, it was just, it was just, I, I was, like I said, I was just head over heels seeing it. I just cannot wait to see this character being portrayed. Oh man. Well, and I am really jazzed about the fact that the 100th episode of Arrow mm-hmm. is happening this season. Yeah. And it's going to be episode eight, which would make it part of the crossover mm-hmm. event. And oh my goodness, we were just shower. Stephen Amell just like made it rain with information on like Twitter this week. Right. I don't know how I missed it. It wasn't until the DC TV guys talked about it that I found out about this Stephen Amell sitting on a park bench with Deathstroke photo. <laughs> then I was like, oh my God. That's awesome. And then Manu Bennett like tweeted out something that like even showed Deathstroke like punching Stephen Amell in the face. Right. Uh, I think it was actually worse than that because <laughs> it had the caption slice. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, oh. So no, I can't figure out is are they setting us up that Deathstroke is going to be back as more than just the eighth episode or not? That's what I can't quite figure out. I don't know because, I mean, especially with all the other guest stars that are showing up mm-hmm. in the 100th episode, because you also get Jamie Sheridan as Robert Queen coming back. You got Katie Cassidy as Laurel coming back. And you have Susanna Thompson as Moira coming back. Mm-hmm. So all these characters who are dead are coming back. Yeah. And so, and, you know, Mark Guggenheim said on some tweet, uh, you know, hashtag no flashpoint, hashtag no flashbacks. Yeah. So it's like, what is going on that all these characters are going to be in the 100th episode? I I can't wait. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to be. I was trying to figure that out myself. The only thing I can think of is like if they were seeing an alternative reality, like if he's going to get be able to visually see like what had happened if this had, if he had never become this. Kind of like do it. It's a wonderful life kind of thing. Yeah. So it's it's not that. So it wouldn't be a flashback. But the only thing he said no flashpoint. He said no flashpoint. Okay. So I don't know. We're just gonna have to wait and see. But yeah, definitely intrigued. Uh, well, you know, we have Legends of Tomorrow, so time travel's not off the table. Uh, I guess that's one way of, yeah, I guess it would not be a flashback, would it? No, it would so, not be. Okay. Uh, Stephen Amell tweeted out on Wednesday a picture of him and Supergirl standing on top of a rooftop somewhere. Yay. That's going to be so weird watching the two of them interact. Yeah. I, th- I am really looking forward to that, especially, I know that Supergirl's the only one who's going to be traveling, which is why seeing Diggle react to Martian Manhunter was so cute and Superhero Fight Club, because we'll never get to see that until mm-hmm. they decide to combine the universes. And then we got a great shot of Diggle's new helmet. Such an improvement. It is. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Because that, I had to admit, the helmet was bad last season. It really was. It wasn't great by any means. But yeah, this one looks really good. I really like this one. I mean, it looks a lot more practical and you get to see a lot more of his face and, you know, you'll be able to see his facial reactions a lot better. So this one just makes a lot more sense. Yeah. But I'm kind of shocked because Diggle left. I mean, what's he doing back, you know? Oh, oh. where's the story going? <laughs> Stop being coy. Didn't, didn't see this coming. Supergirl gave a season premiere clip and you said this little comment in it because we saw we saw actually saw a lot of Clark Kent and Superman actually in action here. And when I saw it, I thought to myself, man, Christopher Reeve fans are definitely going to be very happy. What was your re- reaction? My reaction was the visual effects have not suffered in their move to the CW. At all. At all. I mean, actually, I think some of them look better, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Yeah. So all those people who were like him and hawing, worrying about the, the visual effects uh, with the move to CW, I was always the one who said, listen, they're saving money in Vancouver. They're saving money not having to pay licenses 
licensing fees to Warner Brothers because CBS was having to pay for the rights to Supergirl. Yeah. All those savings, they're keeping their special effects budget. And in some ways, I think that they are, you know, boosting it up a little bit because the clip we saw was Supergirl and Superman saving a space plane, which is very John Byrne. Right. I remember <laughs> that from, from the Man of Steel miniseries from the 80s. Right. And it looked gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, TV. I mean, once again, what they can do on TV these days is amazing to me. Well, and I like what they did too on this again because this is a Supergirl show. When he came up and greeted Supergirl who was trying to rescue the plane, he didn't like jump in and like take over. He's just like, yeah, if you need any help. And she was like, yeah. Yeah, I'll take some help. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and Brent and Ray had a really good comments to say about this clip on, you know, episode five of DC TV Squadcast where they were talking about there was a deference and there was a, there wasn't a combativeness. There was a, you need some help? Sure. If you want help? Cool. You yeah. know, it was, it was very much a team player. I think Ray even made a comment how it was very much the way that that Barry and Kara teamed up in the in the uh, crossover episode, and they were automatically like best buds. Right. So I like that. You know? Yeah. And we had one more image here that came out, and this is actually from the second episode of Supergirl, and this is apparently Superman confronting Martian Manhunter, and the image looks great to begin with. I mean, it just looks fantastic. I mean, he really does. You know, when you get certain angles with Tyre Hecklin, he actually really looks like Superman. And this is one of them. Yeah. And I love the little the little um, episode description because mm-hmm. it reveals a couple of things. It does, yes. Which is official, so I guess we can talk about it. Sure. Apparently, Metallo is going to be a Cadmus project, mm-hmm. and Cadmus stole the kryptonite that they used for Metallo from the DEO. Yeah. Which is why Superman's getting all in Hank's face. Right. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that it, out of the gate, Cadmus is already playing a major part in the season. Right. So moving on to Legends of Tomorrow, we get a little bit of news about the character Obsidian. Now, Lance Henriksen is the actor who's playing Obsidian, and he revealed in an interview that he had with Russ Berlingame from comicbook.com that they're pretty much going to be very faithful to really the story and the the main aspects of the character from the comics. And the other thing that they kind of revealed here is that he's actually going to be Green Lantern's son, and that they are going to say that pretty much in the episode. Uh, That's fantastic. I mean, we've always been wondering if, you know, we got a, a shot of the ring of Alan Scott's ring in that Justice Society episode of Smallville. But for the fact for them to go, yep, we have Obsidian. He is Alan Scott's son. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be gay. They're, they're going to stay uh, true to his character that way, too. Yeah. So I just hope they don't call him Sentinel. Ah, uh, well, didn't, didn't he have to become Sentinel later? Yeah, but I mean, uh, but I mean, the thing is, I mean, they were doing that to really, you know, try to differentiate him from the actual Green Lantern. Ah, uh, OK. Well, and then we got a whole bunch of pictures of all the JSA members and I'm I'm happy. I, I like the costumes. Very faithful. I mean, we get to see, you know, the CW released pictures of Stargirl, Obsidian, Dr. Midnight, Vixen, Steel, yeah. uh, Man. I mean, the gang's all there. Yeah. They even have a table, a conference table and <laughs> everything. That. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> With the Justice Society logo on it. Right on it. Yep. So oh, man. Cool. Really looking forward to these episodes. I mean, you know, if, if Legends of Tomorrow doesn't make it beyond this season, at least we get to see Justice Society thrown in there. I just hope that maybe this will help Legends. Because you know, I felt like they were just kind of bouncing all over the place in season one. Right. And I hope the GSA kind of gives them like a like a lightning rod yeah. to say this will help us steer the ship through season two. Yep. All right. Moving on to another TV series. Now, this is actually I, we had it on a T 
TV, but it, it looks like it's actually going to be a film. 100 Bullets, originally at the time, we thought this was going to be something like possibly an HBO series or something along those lines, but it looks like they're actually going to make a feature film out of this. Now, Tom Hardy has a production company called Hardy, Son & Baker, and uh, it's it's actually done with uh, Tom Hardy's partner, Dean Baker. So they actually formed this, you know, about four years back, and so the whole point of this production company was to create this kind of like high-quality films with sophistication, uh, you know, for TV and documentaries, that kind of thing. And so their first thing that they did was something called Poaching Wars, which I've never seen, but it was a documentary that featured Tom Hardy as, like, I assume, the narrator in this. But they've gone on, and uh, apparently they are now developing The 100 Bullets to be a feature film for Warner Brothers and New Line. So I would assume this would be New Line that would actually be doing this film. Yeah, that was my, that was my, when I read the story, that was my interpretation. It was like, because we talked about how New Line was going to get kind of the Vertigo properties. Right, yep. And then Warner Brothers would get like the DC mainstream properties. Right. So I, that would make sense for this. Yeah, so we hadn't heard anything about this for a while, but uh, this was just a little bit of news that came out from Deadline, so. Yeah, well, basically they were saying that the film is on the on New Line slate. Right. That was basically what Deadline was reporting. Yeah, so I mean, it's not much, there's really nothing beyond that. Yeah. And we get a little bit of um, DC Comics news. Now, I have to admit, I heard about this story, but because I haven't caught up to Rebirth yet, I was not aware if this is something that is currently going on in Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman title, or is this something that is about to be coming up? You're gonna have to you're gonna have to fill me in, Tim. I'm not caught up on Wonder Woman, so I'm not even gonna comment on that part of it. But I mean, the the whole point of this whole story was Greg Rucka was uh, being interviewed by Comicosity, and it was just a real extensive interview about his take on Wonder Woman and, and the work he's doing in Wonder Woman Rebirth right now. So basically, his whole point here was that you know Wonder Woman grows up on Themyscira, you know, a supposed paradise, and where you're you're able to live happily, you're supposed to be able to and to have fulfilling romantic and sexual relationships. And he says the only option there are women. And he says it, it is completely natural and understandable, but that would be the inclination for Wonder Woman. But he says he doesn't distinctly say that she is gay or bisexual. He just says that, you know, she is what she is. Like, there is no gay or bisexual, that because that's what they know. You know, they have their relationships with each other. So they were kind of making a real big deal about this, but this is nothing really new in the comics. No, I mean, Grant Morrison did this last April in Wonder Woman Earth One. Mm-hmm. And really, if you know your Golden Age history, going back all the way to William Moulton Marston's original artistic inspirations for the character, he was a he was a staunch feminist, mm-hmm. free love kind of guy, and was very big into feminist utopian fiction of like the 1930s. So I was just kind of looking at the story, going, "Yeah, so it's like Greg Rucka didn't wasn't the first person to ever come up with this idea for Wonder right. Woman." So I personally say, if you want to know more about like the history and like how this is kind of deeply rooted in the character, you need to read The Secret History of Wonder Woman by Jill Lepore. Mm-hmm. It's really a biography of William Moulton Marston, but it goes into all of this stuff. And yeah. it's it's nothing new under the sun. So I feel like the headlines kind of clickbaitish, in my opinion. Yeah, they definitely were. I mean, I guess the one good thing that kind of came out of this for, for whatever reason it being, but it, it did at least have Wonder Woman trending. <laughs> so Oh, that was the reason she was trending. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I was yeah. wondering why that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was no other big news. I mean, this was it, you know, so this whole thing is just like, you know, this is like nothing new, like you said. I mean, this is this has been kind of like the assumption for quite a while. I mean, even New 52 took this angle as well. I, not as heavily, though, because Azarello even had them, you know, like shipping off to, you know, have raiding parties to get pregnant and all that. Yeah. But you you have to think you're on an island with all women mm-hmm. and that's all you know. Yeah. Put two and two together. Yeah. I mean, it's human nature. You want that connection. You want that 
personal connection with somebody. Eh, our point is, don't be shocked by this. Yeah. It's nothing new. <laughs> yeah, and I guess what I'll be curious to see is if any angle of this is actually even remotely addressed in the film. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see, because I mean, up to this point, the only thing that has kind of been hinted at whatsoever, which is just the relationship with Steve Trevor. Right, which is just traditional anyway. Well, guys, that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and what we had to say about what we read. Yeah, guys, it's been a lot of fun. So, you know, if there's any news that you feel like that we should have touched on that you want us to talk about, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you guys. Scott, where can they find us at? Uh, and they can always hit us up on Twitter at Suicide Squadcast. You can also reach me individually at ScottDC27. And you can reach me on Twitter at Alan Fire. And you can email us at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us at Facebook at Suicide Squadcast. Oh, very true. Very true. Now, guys, we try to answer all tweets and emails. Uh, we do the best we can on that. So we'd love to interact with you guys. So please do not hesitate to reach out to us. And if you feel like we deserve it, please leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us keep us kind of like relevant in the way iTunes algorithms work and all that. Yeah, Tim, we had one five-star review from iTunes this week from Deep and Nerdy called Appropriately Sourced. And the review reads, The Suicide Squadcast. One, clever name. Thank you. (laughs) Two, well-spoken. Thank you. Three, well-edited. Tim, that's you. (laughs) Thank you. Four, source articles to filter out lies. (laughs) And five, one of the greatest podcasts ever. Very true. Very true. (laughs) I think hyperbolic, but okay. A little hyperbolic, but we will take it. (laughs) Yeah, we'll take it. I listen to a lot of nerdy podcasts, and the Suicide Squadcast is among the top five I hold near and dear to my nerdy heart. Every week, we get the real deal from these fine gentlemen, and every week, they filter through clickbait and bring you right to the source of the news. That is why J.K. Simmons is posting pictures of his buff body on Instagram and just continue to think he did it just for Justice League. Mm -hmm. Therein lies the real reason Squadcast exists, not to mention the sheer passion these men have for the DCEU and bring the hope and optimism that the movies have yet to bring themselves. Well, bravo, guys, you did it. You're true fans, and I applaud you. Continue putting out consistent casts of this quality, and people will catch on, dare I say. There. Very good. Thank you so much for that. I love that one. Um, One of the greatest podcasts ever. I mean, how could... We can't argue with him on us, right? Or she. I I, I will argue only because there are people who have been doing this a lot longer than us. (laughs) Definitely true. Uh, But anyway, thank you very much for that. We really appreciate uh, this kind of feedback. I mean, it it always... It it kind of like justifies what we try to do with this this show. And so we definitely appreciate it. So if you feel like we deserve it, please leave us a positive written review on iTunes. You'll be entered in a DC trade paperback giveaway, $15 or less. And we are 18 away from the next giveaway. And don't worry, guys. We are still trying to cook up ways to get uh, to include others who do not use iTunes. It's mm-hmm. just, we're still, hey, we're still taking suggestions. <laughs> you got any ideas about how you how you can help us promote the show and get entered into a contest to win this trade paperback? Please, shoot us some thoughts. We'd be more than happy to consider it at this point. Yep, definitely. So, that's it, Scott. Let's go ahead and close this one out. Thanks again for listening, and we want to just make sure you guys have a wonderful week coming up, and please, make sure you keep reading DC. See you later, guys.
Hey, Scott, good news, man. Guess what we just got in the mail? We got a package from DC Entertainment. Oh, fantastic. We've been griping, complaining about them not sending us stuff for weeks now. It's about time they listen to us. All right, let's open this up and find out what's in it. I hope it's a bunch of, like, Funkos and maybe trade paperbacks or something. I just cannot wait. 